everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 53. We talk about board games, card games, tabletop games, and usually beer. Today, I have my wife Haley, my yellow player. Hello. You say today as if I'm not on every single podcast. I know, I really do. Today, I have my wife Haley as my co-host because we can't find anyone else. That's exactly (laughs) it. My name is Delton, and I'm the main host all the time, not just today. What? And what's usually? What? I only say that because what? I do all the editing and stuff, so I I've consider myself the main I've literally been on co- every <laughs> single episode. It's fine. I am the comedic relief. I am the backbone of this podcast. You are the comedic relief. I will <laughs> not uh, deny that at all. You're actually the backbone because you know mostly about the board games and you do the editing. And I do all the editing and everything else. So thank you for tuning in. This is, like I said, episode 53, and it is a Saturday morning, which is a very unusual time for us to record this podcast, because usually I say, this eve- I'm your host this evening, so saying I'm your host today was a little strange. And so that means we are not drinking alcohol because it is 1230. Yeah, 1230 on a Saturday and we got shit to do. So. We gotta drive the Tulsa and be adults because it is... Mac and Cass's wedding! Mac and Cass's wedding, yay! We've talked about Mac and Cass before. They are a friend of ours and a great couple and great people, and they are getting married today officially, and congrats to you guys. I know they'll listen to this at some point, and it's super exciting, so we're going to drive up to Tulsa to be there for the wedding and the reception, where they very graciously have a special vegan pizza hiding in the back for us. We just have to give the code word, which is, do you have vegan pizza? (laughs) Yeah, we were told there's a vegan pizza. Uh, We're super excited to go to their wedding and be there for the reception, and I think we might know a couple other people that are there, so it'll be a good time. But if, we're excited, and that's why it's Saturday morning and not Saturday evening. And don't worry, if we don't know people there, then I'm really good at making Delton friends. That's very true. It's horrible. <laughs> You're welcome. It's horrible. So, in other news, next week is BGG Con. So, av- after this episode, on Wednesday, uh, Haley will do a half day at work, and then we will drive down to BGG Con. We will be there Wednesday evening all the way through Sunday. I think we'll probably pack up the car and get ready Sunday morning for checkout. We'll probably spend a little bit of time and then drive back early afternoon, if not a little before then. But if you're going to BGGCon, look out for us. Uh, We'll be running around just doing hood rat stuff and hopefully playing games and having a good time. Look for the two gingers in the likely matching shirts or at least coordinated outfits. At least a matching shirt one day because we only have one shirt. Yeah, we should have invested in some more shirts. We say that every single con for the last two years. We really do. The problem is... We is have shirt. <laughs> I, bought, I bought a tri-blend shirts. I need to buy dual blend because it's cheaper. And then I need to make like two more a piece for us and do some of our different colors because we have like a winter color scheme for the logo and a summer, but I've never utilized them and I need to. We need some stuff that's like a winter beanie and have it embroidered <gasps> on it. That would be so cute. It would be super cool. But yes, that is what's coming up. Uh, BGG Con, we'll do a whole episode afterward about it because the episode after BGG Con will not only be about BGG, it'll also be about Haley's birthday. Birthday! Which is on the 29th. November 29th, it is my birthday month. I get a birthday month and Delton cannot dispute this because he's already given me three presents for my birthday. I have. I've already spent way too much money. It's fine. He, like, he'll buy me a birthday gift and give it the same day. Like, he, he can't wait, which I'm not, I'm not opposed to. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to have anything on my birthday. <laughs> That's very true. You really won't. You'll have one thing. I've got some stuff stored. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's fine. I'm impressed because literally three times this month already, he has bought me a birthday gift and given it to me <laughs> the exact same day. Here's the key. Don't go in the guest room 
And if you do, don't look under the blanket on the dog pen. I'm going to look under the blanket now. No, because there's Christmas stuff there too. So I'm hiding stuff out. It's not really hiding, but I'm telling you, don't look there. And Delton had to swear off buying things as of November 1st for himself. Which really sucks because there's two Funko Pops I want from (laughs) Barnes & Noble. Uh, They're both from My Hero Academia. And I want them really badly because one's a Barnes & Noble exclusive with a metallic. It's uh, All Might with a metallic body. And it's just, it's awesome. But, you know, alas. Alas. Because what (laughs) happened a couple of years ago is that he made a Christmas list. And I bought him some things from the Christmas list. And he's like, look what I bought myself. I'm like, damn it to hell, Delton. Stop. Yeah, I'm really bad about it. But I don't just buy him things from his Christmas list because, you know, I know him as a person because I've been married to him for like five years now. Yep. And so I'll buy him stuff not on his Christmas list because I know that he wants it. But the problem is he wants it and he'll go buy it. And he's like, it's not on my Christmas list. Well, Delton, not everything has to be on your Christmas list. (laughs) Yeah. I like to buy myself things. I, I know. I like to buy everyone things. That's how I speak. In caring terms as I give you a present. That's usually it. Delton's love language. That's exactly it. Which is very kind. Don't get me wrong. So before we get into the game today, we're going to try to move this episode along, hopefully fairly quickly, because we've got things to do and we're on kind of a tight schedule. Because we got a hitchin' to go to. Because we waited to record this. I'm going to bring my shotgun. <laughs> don't do that. I don't think she's pregnant, so don't do that. Woo! At least, could be. I have no idea. I don't think so, but who knows. Anyway, today we are not drinking beer. I know it's bad, but at 12.39 on a Saturday, now, if it was 12.39 on a Sunday, totally. Right, that's day drinking day. But we have to leave the house soon, and I don't want to make my tummy feel bad, which we beer be will make it. responsible drivers. Well, that, and I don't want to be bloaty, that way I look good for the wedding. Hell yeah, brother, because we got to take pictures. We do. So today, we're drinking coffee. I know that's very unimpressive. But, but not just any coffee. This is whole bean uh, is this the Peruvian or the it's Honduran? The Peruvian blend. Peruvian blend from Aldi. We have learned, and this is a rant, that Aldi's whole bean coffee significantly blows Starbucks's pre-ground coffee out of the water. And it's half the price. It's like six bucks for a pound. This coffee is so good. It is so smooth. It smells like chocolate and tastes like love. will make you believe that there are good things in this world again. This is what... Brightens every single morning in the Twyman Brack household is what's brightening our afternoon right now, and we highly recommend it. And today, I added something special to my coffee. Vanilla. Haley has some vanilla in hers. Mine is just straight black, which is normally how we drink it. Like, it'll change your life. And just put, like, a couple of little drip drops of vanilla in your coffee. Don't put a whole lot, or else it'll make it bitter as hell. Just a couple little drops of, yeah. of vanilla, and it'll change your life. It will. It does make it good. I like the coffee. This coffee is not too acidic at all. It's pretty calm in the acidity. It has a very dark roast. And so it's got a lot of those like almost dark chocolate, like where it's not sweet, but it's not bitter, but it has that nice taste to it. Plus, we got some feedback from some listeners from last episode. Uh, who said they, they appreciated the non-alcoholic options. And so we're going to start incorporating every once in a while some more non-alcoholic beverages into the podcast just to make it a little more inclusive. Because not everyone can drink, whether that's for personal reasons or health reasons, or they just don't like it, and that's fine. Yeah, we have a lot of friends that don't drink, or like Haley said, for health reasons, they don't partake very often at all. So we, every once in a while, we want to just break out and do something like coffee, or maybe some teas, or, you know, sometimes, like we've done in the past, break off to a wine one episode or two. So I think things like that would be good for the podcast. We're still beer lovers at heart, but that's not all we drink. Well, maybe not all you drink. That's very true. Ah. That's very true. But this coffee is warm. We will recommend literally everyone, don't buy pre-ground. If you have to, buy the cheapest coffee grinder that you can get your hands on and buy whole bean. 
It's so much better. There's so many more natural oils in it, and it just improves the flavor of the coffee significantly. You thought we were pompous beer drinkers. Just wait until you hear us talk about coffee. We're coffee snobs, except I don't own a Chemex yet. Yet. (laughs) Underlined. Yeah, or the little uh, like percolator glass thing where you heat it and it shoots the water up, and I want one of those. We have one of those. We have my little Bialetti. Well, I mean, the glass, like it's not an actual just mocha pot. It's that glass thing where you have like the Bunsen uh, burner yeah. looking. Yeah, I want that really badly, but it's like 80 bucks. We're like wannabe coffee snobs where we say we have to grind our beans, but it's like $6 <laughs> Aldi coffee. And all the fancy things for making high dollar coffee is uh, expensive. Word. Word. Well, after that, I've had a couple drinks of coffee and my energy's coming back. We did go on a run earlier and I almost died. <laughs> so it's been a while since we ran because my knees busted out last time. So I've got some more energy and I think we're going to move to the game so we can move right along to wedding time. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So the game for today is Corinth by Days of Wonder. Now, Corinth is designed by Sebastian Pauchon. The illustrations are Julio Cesar. Graphic design is Cyril Dajin. And editor is Jesse Rasmussen. Now, Corinth apparently is a reflavoring or like, I guess, a more thematic version of an older dice game called Ispahan. I had not heard of this, but apparently that's the designer's old game. And Days of Wonder picked it up, turned it into Corinth. And through this, like, you know, Corinth, which is a Greek city, uh, it's a trading city, and so it's all about trading. Now, Corinth is a roll-and-write game. The way the game works is there's a little board where you will put dice numbered one through six. You have nine, potentially nine dice. No, there are nine dice, potentially 12, that you can roll. You can pay to add some extras. And you roll those nine dice, and you put them on this special board. Uh, It's numbered one through six. You do the six at the top, and then you do one and going up in value from there. So the first space, you put your ones. The second space, you put your twos. If there's no threes that you rolled, you put your fours on the next space, which would leave one space open on the board. Now, going down each player's turn, you will remove dice from one of those columns or spaces. Uh, They're kind of interesting, like the bottom space. If there's two dice that are value one, you can remove them and get two goats, which you mark on your sheet. If there's two dice of value four, and they're on the purple guy in this case, then you have two uses of the purple slot on your sheet you're writing. So basically, you remove the dice where the value doesn't matter, but the number of dice themselves is what matters. You're going to mark things down on your board. It's going to circle around the table back and forth like that, and then the game will come to a conclusion. So the things that you're trying to fill in with this roll-and-write game, uh, there's not a lot, but there's a few. You keep track of money and goats, which are like your two different forms of currency. Then there are the trading ports where you want to mark off certain resource types. Uh, And if you finish an order is kind of what it is. So like there's a box that is worth three points and it takes two orders. If you mark both those off, you get three points. And that's for one of the blue uh, like trading sections. There are four of those trade sections. Then there are some buildings you can build that give you special powers. For example, if you pay two goats to build the store, any time you take the action that gets you gold, you get two more gold or two more coins. So there's four buildings in the game like that that benefit everything you do. And the last thing is moving the steward where you move this guy around getting special benefits and potentially bonus points with how many spaces he's stopped at. You know, the libertarians are always talking about going back to the gold standard. In Corinth, the goats are much more 
It's the goat, it's the goat, it's the goat standard. standard. <laughs> so I really think that we should start backing our currency with goats instead of gold. Like you can turn in your currency for uh, its current value in goats. Except what if you only have half a goat? Then I don't know how that would work. But, but then our money wouldn't be vegan. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> All your money is physically backed by a number of goats stored on an island. How much would our house be worth in goats? That's a lot of goats. Uh, that's really not that many goats. It's like five. Really? Five goats? <laughs> you would have to tell me the gold to goat ratio. I'm trying to estimation. think about how much a goat is. Like, like how much would a goat be? We haven't it had goats the... since I was like a kid, and it's been like 20 years. So what's the inflation rate of the U.S. dollar? So then way we can calculate how much goats have been inflated since 1996. It depends on if we're talking milk goats, goats for the sake of having goats, goats that you're going to like sell. I feel like milk goats are the most profitable. Milk goats would be the most profitable, but then you have the horrible like the, milk business and that just adds extra stuff. Like the Nigerian milk goats. Yeah. I don't know if you just use, if they were just goats to be weed eaters, then it'd be better. So first of all, we need to specify what kind of goats are worth what. So some mm-hmm. goats are like the nickels of goats, yes. whereas some goats are like the $20 bills of goats. Correct. So once we assign a, va- a currency value to the goats, we'll get back to you, dear listeners, on what we will be backing our dollar with. So stay tuned. Are there going to be male and female goat dollars? Because that would matter. Because a female has a higher... Ooh. I don't know if the male or female would have a higher rate. The male might because he can be a stud for more female goats. However, the female goats literally are the ones to produce the male, like more baby goats. And milk. And the milk. So the females are probably higher valued, but you could take a loan out because of the stud fee. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a system here. We can figure it out one day. Oh my God. Did we just make a new board game? I think we did where you're just trying to be profitable with goats. A goat money. economy. A goat economy. Goat economy. Anyway, back to Egotomy. <laughs> So Corinth, as I said, is a roll and write game. You're going to roll these dice. You're going to take different actions, whether it's trading goods, collecting more goats and sheep, building buildings, or moving the steward. That's going to be how you get your points. Uh, Some people will be able to get points that no one else can get if they're able to finish out all of the orders in one of the sections, whether it be the purple, the green, or the blue. The yellow section, anybody can finish, but nobody gets bonuses for that. And that really pretty much covers the game. It's uh, like most roll and write games. They're not too complex. This one is the same way, but this game has something that I really enjoy about it, which is when you roll the nine dice, and like I said, there are six slots on this little player board. If you roll any sixes, they go at the very, very top. If you roll any ones, they go at the bottom. Then the rest of the die are going to go in ascending order up from the one. So if you rolled no twos, that means the spot that normally would hold a five is going to be vacant, which means if you don't roll one number, then there's going to be one option on this board every single time that is not represented. And I like that because it makes it not only a risky chance if you're filling the orders on that one, but if you succeed in filling those orders, it's worth more than every other like trade harbor on your little player sheet. I hope that makes sense. It does. Okay, the way I'm describing it sounds like it's not making sense, but I guess that's fine. But I really enjoy that like, okay, I hope we roll a one, two, three, four, five, because I really want to get that five and take that yellow space. That way I can fill in for that 10 point spot, that 10 point order or something like that. And it's just, it's a risky thing. And so I find that really interesting that no matter what, you're not always going to roll that, which is neat. Y'all know me. I really like roll and rights. It's one of my favorite types of board games, but I really like this one because the board is very diversified. Like you can go towards uh, collecting valuables. So like collecting the vases or, collecting the gold lamps in order to get points. 
You can move your steward to earn more points. You can unlock bonuses to earn more points. But the thing is, you have to choose kind of one or the other. Whenever you say collecting those things, the vases and stuff, that's the trade harbor. That's trading those goods, just for clarification of terms. But yes, you do. You have to specify something in this game. I try to go for the steward a lot, and I feel like I either over or underdo it, which is fun. But uh, I do like that everybody kind of takes their own path in this game. If Haley is going really strong for like two of the trade markets, a lot of times I'll try to avoid those trade markets because she'll get the one-time bonus, which can be enough to turn the game. So I would rather try for a different one-time bonus or a different path to get those points. So I do like that we tend to end up do be doing something different by the end of the game. And I tend to go for more of the bonuses. I typically try to do uh, one area and go for like the bonus. So you buy a warehouse. So each time you take a delivers good action, check one more symbol in the district or a stable. Each time you move the steward, you can increase or decrease the number of steps by one or two. And then there's the temple. During final scoring, each constructed building is worth three points. So I like to try and knock out all the buildings as quickly as possible because easily that's 12 points right there. The buildings are something you want to get very early in the game because they do, they influence your turns. And if you're going for the steward and you get the warehouse, or I'm sorry, if you get the stable that makes your steward move uh, more, if you want him to more or less, then that's a big deal because it's now giving you more options and more flexibility with what you're doing. So there are early game things that Haley goes for a lot that just increase your effectiveness and profitability in the game. I think all in all, I've enjoyed the game. One thing I do like that we haven't mentioned is that I said there are nine dice with a possibility of 12 is you can pay a coin at the beginning when you roll the dice. So whoever rolls the dice uh, changes throughout the game every uh, round. When you roll the dice, you can pay a coin to add a yellow die. And you can do that for up to three dice. Now, whenever you roll and use those yellow dice, they go out on the board. So then let's say you use all three and you have 12. Once you take an action, if you're the first player for that round, you then remove the yellow dice and only you are going to gain the benefit of those. Nobody else gets to use them. So it gives you a chance to hit that, uh, that spot where I said that if you don't roll a 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, it won't be available. It gives you a higher chance to hit that or it gives you a potential for a larger turn if you roll like five dice come out as three, the, the value three. That's a huge spot with a lot of benefit for points. So I really enjoy that you can purchase that and nobody else gets to use it. It's just kind of neat. But all in all, I've really enjoyed this game. It goes by pretty quickly. I think we played in about 30 minutes, so it's a little longer for a roll and write. I'd say I'd put it on the same timeline as Welcome To, which is one we like a lot. But this one actually has some dice. One very unique thing is, and this is actually stated in the rules, if at any time you roll every single dice the same value, so if you roll those nine dice and all nine dice come out as the value two, you win the game. That's in the, offic really? that's in the official rules. You, I didn't know that. It actually says, let me read this because this is kind of funny, because it's so unlikely. It says, in the unlikely event that all the dice roll to the exact same value, congratulations. You just won the current game and every one after it. Snap a picture, post it on social me media, frame it in your game room, and give this game to a friend. You just won the current game and every game after. Yeah, that's their all rules. Right. Which That's is, new challenge. Challenge accepted. It's pretty funny, and I kind of like the idea of being like, boom, I did it. I finally did it, and you just pass the game on. You're done. It's fantastic. It's kind of neat, but I enjoy it. But Corinth, uh, it's an inexpensive game. It's probably 20 25 bucks. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with it. It comes with all the sheets. In terms of playing this on the go, you could, but the dice are clunky. However, you could download an app, tell it how many dice you're rolling, and I think you could still make it work. I think so. So 
it's neat. But I recommend Corinth from Days of Wonder. I really like it. Ditto. So before we got on the podcast today, Delton and I were trying to decide which game we were going to cover, and we decided on Corinth. And we were talking about, you know, what is our topic for the episode today? And Delton pointed out that with games like this, you know, you have many options available, like we were saying earlier. And sometimes you have to balance between putting all your eggs in one basket and going for everything. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So yes, for the topic today, it is about diversifying your play in different games. I don't know exactly how I'm phrasing this title for like the podcast title, but essentially in a game like Corinth, there are multiple paths to victory. You can get a lot of points by moving the steward. You can get a lot of points by taking the different trade actions. You can get a good amount of points by focusing on the buildings as well. However, you can also do a little bit of everything. But if you try to do literally a little bit of everything, you're probably going to be too far spread and not truly gain many points. You will crash and burn. You will be spread too thin. And if you just focus on the steward and never do anything else, you're probably going to crash and burn because you put all your, as Haley says, eggs in one basket. So something I enjoy about this game and a lot of games is the fact that they give you the choice to go and do multiple things. People change their routes. They change their paths. You can diversify or you can specialize in something, but there must be a balance you find there at some point. So I have a really bad habit in games with sticking to the same strategy. And this is evidence in the games that I lose quite a bit. I have a really hard time like, okay, I'm going to try a different strategy this time. By the end of the game, I'm trying the exact same strategy that I lost with the time before. Yep. I have a really bad problem with that. But I feel like with this game, I've gotten a little easier or a little better at changing my strategy up, which sometimes not changing my strategy works in my favor, like in Splendor. But this one, like the first three times I played it, I kept losing, kept losing, kept losing. And so I went completely backwards in my strategy because this game goes by so quickly. It's easy to kind of throw away a strategy if you need to to figure out what you need to do. I think my problem is the opposite of yours, which is I lose constantly and I'm always changing my strategy to try to win rather than observing a decent strategy and then trying to master it over several plays to where I can use it to win. Because sometimes I have a good idea for a strategy and then I think I'm not doing well enough, so I start to change it and then I lose. Where if I would stick with it and actually try to improve that strategy and make it more efficient, then I think I could actually pull it out to win. But games like this are where you can do something like that. Because you're not investing four hours of your life into one strategy. You're investing 15, 20 minutes. Exactly. That's exactly it. But I I like games like this because there's lots of different strategy routes you can go in a short game. It's really hard to find that in some games. And yeah, it's just a simple roll and write. But there's multiple different paths that you can take and combinations of different paths. And so I like it whenever you can try out. We can play this game four times in an hour and a half and have a completely different strategy each time. And it's great. You really can. And this is one of those games where even though there are different strategies, those strategies tend to be similar. So even if you're going heavy steward with a certain uh, emphasis on more trades, somebody could be doing a lot of trades with a little emphasis on the steward. And in the end, it ends up being almost the same outcome. So it's one of those neat things where you can diversify and change things up. Uh, I kind of want to throw this to a weird sports metaphor. No matter what your strategy is in the end goal, you're still making a touchdown. Like, no matter if you passed it, no matter if you ran it, no matter what your plays and your stuff were, the touchdown's always the goal, and it's always the same. You're crossing that line. And I feel like games like this, that's something I like about them, is even if you're all doing the same strategy, when it comes to the very end, you've all done, 
yes, on a small level, you've all done different strategies, but in the big scope of the game, you've all done exactly what the game wants you to do. So I like that it doesn't make you push those strategies too far, where someone's got some strategy that you've never even thought about, and somebody's got some strategy so specific that it just overpowers everything else. I like games that have this balance where you want to have a strategy, but there is flexibility there, just a little. And the thing is, we all have the same kind of options in the game. We all have the same chance. Yeah, some players take first player, and that gives you some leg up every other round. But at the same time, we're all working with the same board with the same materials. Yeah, we all have that same dice pool to be drafting from. I agree with that. And a lot of games are this way. I mean, you, you can look at any game. You can look at, like, Agricola. In Agricola, yes, everyone's building houses, or like your home. Everyone's getting animals, and everyone's getting vegetables. Some people are going to push their vegetables, and then they're going to move to fences, and then they're going to do this. And everybody has their different strategies. And like I said, in the end, though, it's all going to be based on the same categories. But you can't, the same with that one, you can't do every strategy. You can't go for everything. everything. And you can't do just one. And if you try to do just one, if you try to do everything, you're going to fail miserably. Yep, and I think that's this game, and I like that. I just want to point out in Agricola, I have been vegetarian the entire time, which means I have never used the kill an animal for meat option, and I've only lost once. That's true. I lose all the time. I'm very bad at Agricola. I like it a lot, but I'm very bad at it. I The only time I've ever lost was the Mac. That's because Mac wins all the time. It's so stupid. I can't believe it. I know. We, oh. <laughs> we were talking about that. Uh, so Cass had messaged us on Twitter or tweeted at us or something, but they had played at TokenCon, and Mac had won all but one game that they played together, and she was so salty about it. And I was like, I know. We can never figure it out. And so we determined me and Cass and Haley are going to have to team up in a game and just crush him and hope he can't come back from it. Just going to make him stronger. It's just <laughs> He's going to beat us all, and he's like, I, what are we going to do then? Then we're all going to be so demoralized. It's like defeating a sandwich can only make it tastier. That great Dragon Ball Z video. Oh, my God. Because there's a whole defeating a Saiyan, and they come back, and they're always stronger, and it was like defeating a sandwich only makes it tastier. You're going to have to post that video so people have oh, some context. Oh, it's my favorite. It's, so, it's uh, so stupid. That's like the most obscure depths of the internet that anyone has ever visited. <laughs> it's a great video. Uh, but I guess for the topic, that pretty much covers it. We like games that you can diversify, specialize, but you have to ride that balance. And I just think it makes for a good game. And there's a lot of games that do it. But I just think that when I find those games, it's very enjoyable. And it's nice to see what people do differently. So I guess that that covers that. And now we're going to move into the question of the episode so we can wrap this up and get to the wedding. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Pine Size Question. Before we get to the question of the episode, I just want to comment on how good this coffee is, and we didn't really do a tasting of it. Well, we did. I talked about that there was a little acidity, but there's more of a dark chocolatey flavor. But we didn't, like, smell it and, like... I mean, it smells like coffee. Like any aromas. It smells like coffee, but right now it's cooled off, which changes its scent and flavor profile. It's vanilla chocolate mocha madness. Haley's is vanilla chocolate mocha madness. Mine is ca- coffee. Let's have a vote. Which one sounds yes. like it tastes better? It has a nice toasty smell. Which is good. It's so smooth. I'm at the bottom of my cup where it's a little granulated. We use a French press, which I highly, highly recommend. But at the bottom of your cup, there's always going to be a little bit of like... Grit. Like grit, which is gross. So <laughs> Makes I never, you a man. I never finish the last little bit of my coffee. Just chew it. No, gross. <laughs> but it's delicious. So for the question today, it's a very simple one. What rule mistake or like rule book misreading have you made because i've made a plenty 
Let's talk about the one for Corinth, Delton. So the one for Corinth is, I'm going to read this out loud because I feel that that makes it better. Uh, the very first thing you do is the first player crosses out the leftmost available spot on their turn track. So on your little action sheet or your sheet where you write stuff, you have a turn track. In a four-player game, it's going to be four spaces, four different turns in the game, four different rounds. And in a two- or three-player game, there's six. So there's six depictions of dice, and you mark through it when it's your turn. So, again, the first player crosses out the leftmost available spot on their turn track. Then you go through and completely finish your round. You go completely through your round doing everything, and then the next player becomes the first player. Now, what should happen when the next player becomes the first player, Haley? They mark off the turn thingy on their turn. So, Which means if in a two-player game, you're the first player on the very first turn of the game, you're going to mark off your first turn space, that first die. Then you're going to have a round of play where you roll the dice, take them, do the action. Your opponent takes them, do the action. In a two-player game, you would, the first player would then take them again and do the action. Then the next person, so for in this case, Haley would be the next start player. She would then mark the first turn die off of her sheet. I was reading that as everybody marks the first turn die to say it's the first round. So our game was going by with six rounds instead of 18. Or I'm sorry, I guess it would be 18 turns because the way it's me, you, me, right. and then you, me, you. But yeah, so but essentially I had like cut our turns in a third or by two thirds. And we kept wondering like, why are we getting such low scores? Everyone Horrible. on the internet is doubling, tripling, or quadrupling our scores. We could not figure it out to save our life. Like, are we this shitty at this game? And then, of course, lo and behold, our savior, our Lord and savior, Rodney Smith, on Watch It Played, saved me by, I watched his video. Oh, and it made man. it very clear. <laughs> and I was like, dang it, I'm an idiot. Uh, so, yes, you'll mark off your turn on your first turn. Nobody else marks it until they are a first like first player in that turn. The thing is, we both missed that rule. Yes. We both did. We did. Several, oh, we several times. We still liked it. I think we had three whole games like that where I finally just like... No, we had more than that, Delton. Well, I unincluded all of them out of our score tracking uh, because I had them not count the points for like statistics, but included yeah. the plays. Okay. But yes, that is a rule that I missed. And I read it very clearly several times, but there we go. Haley, what is yours? So I think the rule that we always get wrong, and I'm going to go back to an oldie but a goodie, Uno. Yep. Whenever you play the draw four card, it has to be when you have no other cards you can play in your hand. It's not just whenever you want to be a jerk. But you can bluff. You can bluff. But if they call you, you have to draw the four. Right. And I think that makes the game a lot more fun. It does. And a lot less jerkish. Though, when you're playing with your family members, you kind of want to be jerkish. Like, this is for all of this times you stole the remote as a kid. Or this is for grounding me for two weeks whenever I became vegetarian. Kabam. Just all that random stuff. All that random, like, rage. One more example that I love is, I always quote this as the biggest mistake in board gaming I've made, which is Dead of Winter. Uh, your characters, they can only move once a piece on your turn. So when you have the trucker, I call him Trucker Dan, the guy sitting in a chair that does not roll the exposure die when he moves somewhere, which means he doesn't take a chance of being bit. Um, you can't move him, do something, move him, do something, and move him. He moves once, ends at that location, and that's his entire movement. So that was the biggest rule I've messed up every single time I think I've played Dead of Winter until I read that clearly out loud and repeated it to memorize it. But those are easy mistakes to make. Reading rule books is hard, and it's just something you've got to get used to in board games, I guess. Yep. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode today. Shout outs. Oh my God, I have to do the shout outs. I'm so ready to like, let's get this going. I got to edit. We got to get around. We got to drive. We got a wedding. We, we got, got pizza. Hour and a half, hour 45 drive. Uh, yes, shout outs today to our amazing Patreon backers. They back us on Patreon at the level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. That is Alan Girding from the Tuesday Night Podcast. Alan, he- Alan, Alan, Alan. Oh my God. He will also be at BGGCon, so come say hi. That is Allison, our good friend that works at the Edmund Museum. You should go see her exhibits. Allison, Allison, Allison. That is Jesse, a good friend of ours who likes to stream on Twitch at Aquaneer Supreme, I believe is still his stream name. Jesse, but Jesse, we shouted him out Jesse, on our page several times. And then Catherine. Catherine, Catherine. From the Autoerotic Education Podcast, which we have also shouted out on Twitter. Twitter, 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 Twitter. So thank you all for being amazing Patreon backers. If you would like to be like them and get a shout out or just help us uh, be able to upgrade and maintain this great podcast, then you can find us patreon.com slash Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S. If you have any questions that you want us to answer either on the podcast or off, a game for us to cover, or any kind of topic you want to hear our thoughts on, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K, and Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. We're on all social media. We have been pretty light on the social media postings as of late because we've been very busy, had a lot going on. It's been kind of hard to get our rhythm back in. Plus, I got a tattoo. Haley got a tattoo. I guess that's true. We can talk about that at some point. Uh, I'll be getting my tattoo coming up in a few weeks, and everything's going good. I'm sure we'll post pictures of everything. But thank you again for tuning in. I think we've covered it all. Make sure to come see us at BGGCon. Find us. Give us a high five, a handshake, ask for a hug. Just yell at us from across the room and wave. Whatever you want to do, and then let's play some games, because that's why we're there. That's why I'm there, too. Yes, that's why Haley's there as well yeah until next time sit back relax grab a drink even if it's coffee and play some games we'll see you all later bye bye